Today we're talking about should the Gophers go for two transfer quarterbacks in this cycle along with a name that I am very curious about in this transfer portal QB class and then finally we have to talk about this women's basketball team that is doing its thing out there on the court. You are no locked on happens, Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Rob, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week. Now, yesterday I was feeling a little bit down. I couldn't get into the episode, feeling a little off, but I will be making it up. We're going to do two shows today, this show that you're listening to right now. And then this evening, we're going to do a question, uh, live listener mailbag. So if you have questions that you you want answered, whether it be portal related stuff, whether it be the basketball teams, whether it be hockey, whatever, drop them in the comments below or join us tonight on the live show where we will be diving into the listener mailbag and talking about everything you want to talk about when it comes to Golden Gophers. So be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of that good information. If you're an audio listener and you're not over on YouTube, that is A-OK. We will post the audio from that live listening after as well so you will still get the content and if you have questions you can always message them to me over at gophers cane rob on twitter or at lockdown golden gophers at gmail.com now let's talk about this transfer portal madness because it just keeps on going and the biggest question i have heading into this portal session with having lost Ethan Kalik Manis and Drew Vioto, who I don't know if Cole Kramer will officially be back next season or if he's just going to play with the Gophers for the bowl game and then he wants an opportunity to start somewhere. There's so many different ways this thing could still go. So should Minnesota pull two transfer quarterbacks from the portal? It is not outrageous. It's not something that Hasn't been done before. In fact, we saw it happen on multiple occasions last season. We had Wisconsin, who took three transfer portal quarterbacks last season. Uh, Louisville took three. Cal took two. Ole Miss took two. Uh, New Mexico took two. And Illinois took two. All of those schools took multiple quarterbacks, and a lot of them ended up playing multiple quarterbacks. Wisconsin started Tanner Mordecai, and then Braden Locke had to come in after the injury Tanner Mordecai suffered in the middle of the season. Uh, Cal had Sam Jackson the fifth, who got injured at one point, and then Ben Finley came in, and then those two had played back and forth a little bit. Ole Miss brought in both Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders, and yet neither one of them ended up starting. It was all Jackson Dart from that point on. And then Illinois, Minnesota found out about firsthand. Luke Altmeyer had been starting the entire season. The Gophers were winning in that game. Two minutes left. Luke Altmeyer gets injured on a fourth down or a third down, going to a fourth down. John Paddock takes over, steps in, and blasts the Gophers in the final two minutes to take over the lead and take the win. Now, the trend in most of these cases when it comes to taking multiple quarterbacks from the transfer portal has seemed to be typically you take a veteran type guy and you take a younger guy. Both that can compete from the job. Just because you take a veteran doesn't mean that they are necessarily the starter or the incumbent or whatever. It We've seen the results be different across the gamut. I mean, UCLA last season 
only brought in one transfer in Colin Schley, but they also had a 2024 commit coming in in Dante Moore, who has now hit the portal wild portal season we've got going on but then on top of that they had ethan garbers who was already there and an incumbent player so you had those three compete all three of them played at some point in time and then you go to Ole miss like i mentioned they bring in two transfers one from lsu one from oklahoma state the oklahoma state player had played a ton of football with oklahoma state didn't end up starting any games for them jackson dart the incumbent starter kept the job the entire time, but that competition drove them to all play their best throughout the fall, throughout spring camp to really push and show they could be the guy. And it brought out the best in each one of those quarterbacks. But then Jackson Dart went on to have one of his best seasons thus far. Then you look at Wisconsin and Louisville. Both of them had the older vet transfer end up winning the battle. You had Tanner Mordecai come in and he was leading the team. Now he got hurt. Braden Locke, like I said, came in another transfer who came in and held his own I mean he he had some some rough spots he had some learnings he was a younger quarterback again but then they give it back to Tanner Mordecai who goes on to win a few more games Louisville had a ranked season this season under uh Jeff Brom and he got the best of Jack Plummer his former quarterback from Purdue then went to Cal now back with Brom at Louisville. So there are all sorts of different ways that this could go. Illinois had the younger player win the job and lead the team, but then the FCS veteran in uh, John Paddock ended up coming in due to injury. Then he ran for the rest of the season as the starting quarterback for Illinois. And then, like I said, Cal had the two transfers battle it out for multiple games. So the moral of the story is Minnesota is likely going to need two quarterbacks out of the portal, or they could end up in a position similar to this past season, lacking the depth or the confidence in a secondary option to make a switch if there are struggles, to make a switch if uh, something goes wrong, or worst case scenario, if an injury happens, everything could fall apart. So you need to have multiple options in this portal cycle, in my opinion. Now, I have mentioned Max Brosmer on the show, and to, uh, and I'm going to mention another quarterback I'm very interested in, and EJ Warner, if you haven't heard about him, but you, you're not going to get both of those type of guys. You're going to maybe get one of those type of players who could be kind of the, the lead horse, the the has a foot in the door to be a starter but still have to compete for the job and win the job and then meanwhile you have to go and find a player that would be comfortable possibly being a number two but having the chance to start or having the chance to step up and be a number one and that could be maybe a more veteran player like Vanderbilt's Ken Seals who started last season or like a guy like Jerry Bohannon who played for Baylor um a few years ago, he was pretty good for Baylor overall, but then he ended up going over to South Florida, suffered an injury in South Florida, has hit the transfer portal again, and maybe he believes in himself that he can go out there and he can battle and he could be a starter type player, but he also could be a valuable voice in a room and step up in case of an injury or things of that nature. Or could you look at a guy who has played big 10 minutes before, like a Brendan Storsby? Now, he wasn't he wasn't the guy to get the job done in Indiana. Clearly, they didn't get enough winning going on out there. But he is a guy who's played in the Big Ten, produced in the Big Ten somewhat. He's had some struggles, but you at least know he can be suffisable and maybe isn't a true fit for the system, but he can be the guy that can step up when things go wrong, if things go wrong, and he can be a, a welcome sigh of relief knowing that you have some sort of stability behind 
whoever ends up being your starter. Or maybe he comes in, he proves everyone wrong and does better than what he did at IU and can step up into a starter spot. I mean, you just never know. But a guy like that, having them as a comfortable person to compete and potentially be a a a veteran or a reliable backup could be a huge thing for Minnesota. But the first things first, Minnesota has to get their guy and a trend with the transfer portal with so much talent in there. Now you have to go get a guy with promise, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't expect to see much of that until possibly next weekend because the transfer portal officially opens up on Monday. And then you try to get a guy in here and get them on a a visit and get them quickly to see the campus, get a feel for the coaches and see if this feels like the right environment for them. And then maybe late next week or over the weekend, you get that visit going and then you try to get it done as soon as possible. But if Minnesota gets caught sitting on its hands too long, it could prove detrimental for this team next year and for the program moving forward. So they're definitely going to have to get in there and figure something out sooner rather than later. Speaking of a guy like Max Brosmer, it seems he has another P5 offer in Wake Forest. I don't know if there's other ones out there as well, but the Gophers need to stay on top of this thing and hopefully bring a guy like him in. Like I said, if you get caught sitting on your hands too long, it could hurt. But there are a lot of names, a lot of known names that could command serious cash from NIL in that portal for the quarterback position. You've got Will Howard from Kansas State. You've got Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Dante Moore, uh, the true freshman this year who had started multiple games at UCLA. Five-star kid who could go absolutely anywhere probably with the talent that he has and the youth that he has. He could probably command a lot of dollars from big programs. DJ Uwangalele, who played at Clemson and then Oregon State, he showed he can be serviceable. So now he could be looking for a paycheck or something to help boost his status to try and make a draft run next year. Grayson McCall with Coastal Carolina, he is officially graduated, so he can get an opportunity somewhere. Riley Leonard from Duke. Max Johnson is headed to North Carolina, so that's already one, one off the board. That's one piece off the board, and then Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. All of those players are going to command serious cash, and you could see a lot of teams that are losing big quarterbacks. Washington, Oregon, who knows what Ohio State is going to do, if they're going to stick with Kyle McCord, or if they're going to sniff around the portal, or what. They, you don't know what these major players are doing so far. Florida State lost Jordan Travis. Are they are they sticking with Tate Rodemaker? Are they going to look at the portal? Those are the schools that might take big shots on these big-name players that have entered the portal, but maybe that helps the Gophers' case for a quick move on someone like a Brosmer or a Sluka or an EJ Warner. Now, speaking of EJ Warner, I want to jump into him. If you haven't heard about him, I'm going to give you more details about him and why he could be very interesting for the Gophers coming up next. First, I want to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. And I've got the one for you. I've got the one that you're going to hit and you're going to win and you're going to get that $150 in the bank. And that is the Big Ten Championship this game or this Big Ten Championship game this weekend. Words are hard right now. But if you go on and you choose your team to win any money line bet, you just put a $5 bet down, you get $150 in bonus bets. And I'm telling you right now, that Michigan-Iowa game, Iowa has no chance. Not one whatsoever. I don't care what happens in that game. Michigan is going to walk away the victor. They're the best team in college football, in my opinion. And I've been saying that since before the Gophers ended up playing them. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the time to do it. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And if you place a $5 money line bet and you win, you get $150 back in bonus bets. Just throw down that Michigan one and you will be rolling in the dough over at FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, Gophers fans, let's talk about EJ Warner. Because I know a lot of Gopher fans might not know EJ Warner. He played at Temple the past two seasons, but you know his dad. His dad is Kurt Warner, the legend from the Rams and the uh, Arizona Cardinals, has been to multiple Super Bowls, has won a Super Bowl. And really, he is a great. He is an all-time great when it comes to quarterbacks, and everybody knows his story of being an undrafted player, working in a grocery store, all of a sudden gets an opportunity to play in the NFL and absolutely runs with it, plays with the greatest show on turf, and what have you. Now, he's got a ton of knowledge. He is an uh, analyst for multiple, he's been an analyst for multiple years, breaking down quarterbacks. He has his own YouTube channel where he breaks down different quarterbacks. He's even broken down one of his son's games on his YouTube channel. So definitely a fun one to check out, but Kurt Warner knows his stuff. And if I can tell you anything, it's that EJ Warner has one of the best resources on how to continue improving, how to keep getting better and how to play at the next level. Now he's done really well at Temple. He, in his 2023 season, he had 3,076 yards, 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And in 2022, he had 3,028 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Now that's his true freshman and true sophomore years. And he has had some record-setting performances in those times. Now he definitely can have some issues with the turnovers, 12 interceptions in both seasons. But it also had a bit to do with what was being asked of him. He was being asked to kind of go out there and play hero ball, make something out of nothing almost every game. And it's not like Temple has a wide receiver talent galore in their room. So overall, I was very impressed with what I saw from EJ Warner. Now, sometimes he could take some risks, but it's because his team needed him to. He can read the field well. He has firsthand experience working with a Hall of Famer on the daily. And then on top of that, the name recognition could generate some real excitement here in Dinkytown. And I think people would surround him with praise. Now, on top of that, there is a massive amount of quarterbacks in the portal, like we just talked about, who could possibly keep a middle-level P5 a school like a Minnesota in the conversation with all the blue blood blue bloods taking swings on those other names that we had already mentioned in the last segment, like DJ Uangalele, Will Howard, Will Rogers, and so many others. So then if you got a guy like EJ Warner and you can give him some real looks, some real opportunity to play in a power conference like the Big Ten, which is bringing in the most money from the TV dollars, he can get on a lot of TV screens and he can go out there and show it. And on top of that, his name is already going to generate some buzz, some income and whatnot for the program, for himself, and so much more. And on top of that, he's had success on the field. He threw for over 200 yards in every single game in 2023, and with two games over 400 yards. And in his true freshman season at Temple, he had a game over 300 with 344 yards, a game with 486 yards, and a game with 527 yards passing. And in all those games combined, he threw for a combined 10 touchdowns, in one interception. So he definitely can take care of the ball. He can have some massive games and it maybe could help the Gophers. I think if you bring in a guy like that, you're not going to be able to just rely on the running game. You're going to have more passing attempts. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to go from 
barely being a 20 passing attempt team to a 45 passing attempt team, that's not going to happen. But maybe bringing in a talent like that, you're going to find yourself as a 30 passing attempt per game team. And even a 30 passing attempt per game team is going to be a huge jump up from what we've seen from this Gophers program. And that might be the balance. That might be the middle ground that you want to see from this Gophers team. So bringing in a guy like that who if you have that type of name, if you have that that dad who has the recognition and whatnot, you're definitely going to need to pass the ball a bit more. Now, that doesn't mean less touches. That just means the touches are more, more efficient when it comes to it. And also playing 30 pass attempts game, maybe that takes away some of the risks, some of the turnovers we've seen from EJ Warner with the 12 interceptions because he's not asked to play hero ball because he can turn around and run the ball to a guy like Darius Taylor or Jordan Newbin. And he can get, he can feel comfortable knowing the ground game is going to keep them moving forward. But on top of that, he can get through the reads. He can stay calm and his presence within the pocket isn't panicked or anything like that. And he can make it happen in more efficient so there's not as many interceptions on that front, but you're still seeing the yardage production in those 30 or so attempts. I think it could be a very, very interesting fit. It could be a fun fit for the Gophers and a fun story moving forward. And on top of that, with so many names in the portal, your Riley Leonard's, your Will Howard's and whatnot, maybe it could be realistic seeing as there are a tot a ton of big top end names in that portal that could push into the Gophers favor for some of these up and coming guys that maybe were at some lower schools. So that is one I'm interested in. Max Brosmer is a player I'm interested in and hopefully the Gophers can make something happen rather sooner than later. Now we're going to wrap this one up talking about the Gophers women's basketball team because they are on a roll and they kept it rolling this week as they played Norfolk State, a team that is a really tough defensive team, a team that made the tournament last year, a team that was 26-7 and and the Gophers handled them like it was nobody's business. We're going to talk about what we saw from the Gophers women's basketball team and their next upcoming opponent coming up next. All right, let's talk about those Gophers women's basketball team because they have been balling. G-Money dropped a game high versus Norfolk State, dropping 26 points. She was shooting lights out. On top of that, Amaya Battle was also in there like swimwear, making it happen. She was very more aggressive in her scoring approach, and it ended up being so much... It, it was great for the Gophers because when Amaya Battle is a scorer mentality, when she looks to actually get involved in the scoring and she drives and she attacks, it draws defenders in and she's able to kick it out and find open three-point shooters. And when you've got open three-point shooters like Mallory Heyer, Mara Braun, and G Money out there on the threes, you get them an open look, it's starting to fall. It's starting to click. Even on a night where Mara wasn't having her best shooting game, she still contributes in a very impactful manner. Overall, this women's team is the real deal, and they've been showing it. The only loss they have on the season is to UConn. They played them tough through the first half, and I think if you if this Gophers team caught that UConn team later down the stretch, I think it's a tougher game. I think it's a closer matchup, and I think it's something that will continue to see this Gopher team grow and be ready for that type of opponent as they move forward. But right now, they are 6-1. and one. They beat Norfolk State, who was a tournament team last year, 26-7. and seven. They lost in the first round to South Carolina, but most teams lost to South Carolina last season besides the eventual natu- national champions. So you can't be too mad at that one. 
Now, overall, what's most important or impressive from this Gophers women's basketball team, in my eyes, has been the scoring versatility paired with their defensive effort. Now, their defensive effort is one of the best in the nation. I believe heading into that Norfolk State game, they were 11th in the nation when it came to total defense, and they were first in the entire Big Ten. They limit scoring opportunities. They get deflections. They get tip passes. They get blocks. And it is a wonder to watch on the defense. They play hard. They get a lot of rebounds. They don't give too many second-chance opportunities. And I think overall, it has been more and more impressive game to game how this team defends as a unit. So I'm, I'm very excited by that, impressed by that. But on the flip side, the scoring versatility. Last season, it was very much if Mara Braun was cold, this team was losing. If Mara Braun was getting it going, this team was in the fight. And then if others contributed around her, you were likely winning. So this year... There's been some ups and downs for Mara Brown when it comes to scoring, but she's still been an all-around effective player all over the place. So even though she only had nine points in this last game, she still had five steals, three assists, three rebounds. She gets it done in other facets and helps the team thrive, and that is huge. And on top of that, others are taking advantage of that. In the games where she might struggle, others can step up. Like I said, G-Money, Grace Graholski had 26 points in this effort. She scored above 20 in a game this year. Amaya Battle has had 20 in a game this year. Mar Brown has had 20 in a game this year. And Sophie Hart and Mallory Heyer have been right on the verge of that with like 17, 18 points on some games this season. This team has five players that can score up to 20 points or more on a given night, depending on what is called for. That in itself is extremely impressive. That in itself keeps this team as a player to watch in the Big Ten in year one with Coach Plitzelite. Now, we talked about this potentially being the case, but I was I was like, we got to see what happens. We got to see how quickly it connects, how quickly things come together. They've been coming together, and it has looked nice, and it has been impressive. I haven't even told you the score of that Norfolk State game, a team that is very decent, has a very good, very strong defensive presence, has a great uh, full court press has some very good zone looks and they take away certain players. They tried to take Sophie Hart away in this one with their zone scheme in the first half. And the Gophers found ways to get open looks off of that, get post touches and then find the open person because they tried to triple down on Sophie Hart and knock down threes from there. This Gopher team won 74 to 43 against a quality opponent. And that is going to be a great resume win for them as they look to continue to build a tournament resume. And if they keep playing the way they're playing and they keep cutting down on the turnovers, only 11 in this game to a team that forces over 20 turnovers a game. You keep doing things like that. You are going to be a tournament team. You are going to be a team in the race and a team that others in the Big Ten don't want to face. Not even your Iowa's, your Indiana's, your Maryland's. They're not going to want to play a team like this because of the scrappiness, because it's a difficult out, and because it could be a game you drop. So overall, I love what I'm seeing from this Gophers women's basketball team. They had a great challenge against the press and the zone, and they held it all together in this game, and then and then some. Clearly winning big. Nice resume win. Biggest game of the week is this week. Versus Drake on Saturday. Now, Drake has played Iowa State and won. Drake has played Iowa and dropped 90 points on them. Like, Drake is a real deal team. They're 5-2 and two right now. They absolutely blew St. Thomas out of the water. And you know what? It is going to be a big-time challenge for Minnesota. But if they can pull out this Drake win... It will give them a ton of momentum moving into next week where they have other big games. You got Kentucky on the road, and then you've got Purdue. Those two games, those that three stretch of games, you come out of there 2-1 and one or 3-0, and oh, the noise is going to get louder. Ticket prices, 
might go up. And it is time to fill the barn for this women's basketball team because they are the real deal. Now, Sophie's impact in the post is big time for Minnesota. I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Sophie Hart. The rotation got more opportunities in this game, extended the bench a little bit. You love to see something like that because the depth is going to be needed as we hit the Big Ten play. So getting them more confident and more minutes is going to be everything. Getting more impact from Nia Holloway, from Maggie Zanano. Those two players are going to be huge bench players for this Minnesota team down the stretch. And then you work in Ayana Johnson, who's a true freshman, Janae Sanders, who can be a point guard to give relief to Amaya Battle. You've got about a, a deep bench of about nine right now. And those nine are going to be critical down the stretch for this team. I'm excited by this team. You should be too. You should be filling the barn. And Mallory Heyer is the queen of the board. She's just got a knack for it. Coach Plitzewhite talked about a story uh, to us in the media after the game. And she had mentioned how, uh, and someone in the media had asked, what makes the best rebounder? How is it? Is it best rebounding technique? Is it offense? Is it defense? And she told us a story about how she had been working at a camp in Wisconsin and how they had that debate. Many of the best coaches in the state were talking about what's the best rebounding te technique, both on offense and defense. And someone said the best technique is wanting the ball. And you have to have that desire. And Coach Plitzway went on to talk about that. You have to have the desire and the knack for it. And Mallory Heyer has just that and more. And she has shown it time and time again. In fact, I believe she has led the Gophers team in rebounding in almost every single game this season. Let's take a quick peek before we wrap this one up. She has led the team in rebounding in five out of the seven games so far this season. And two, three of those, no, two of those have been double digit efforts with 12 rebounds. She is the queen of the rebound. I'm excited by it. And overall, you should be excited by this Gophers team. Be sure to subscribe, row the boat, Sky Yumago Gophers. And we will see you next tonight. We'll see you tonight where we're doing a live question and Albert answer listener mailbag here at Lockdown Gold Gophers. Row the boat, Sky Yumago Gophers. And as always, don't forget to subscribe.